0: The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hello, and welcome to Lucas Lectures, hosted by the big fish himself, Veteran Lucas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's topic. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Lucas Lectures. It's me, Veteran Lucas, hope you guys are having a fantastic day or night wherever you are. Oh, today is the last of our series of Halloween episodes. Today we are going to be wrapping up this October right before Halloween. I'm really excited to get to do that. And we get to wrap things up with a favorite. We're talking about zombies. There is no better time of the year to talk about the undead, and I love zombie movies. I love the cliches. I love the gore. My favorite zombie movie of all time, though, has to be Zombieland. If you are 17 and up, or your parents think you're cool enough to watch it, watch it. It's hysterical. The sequel is still really, really good. It's not my favorite, but it's not bad. I I enjoy Zombieland, too. But we are going to be talking about zombies in the context of Pokemon, i.e., If you could choose one Pokemon to survive the zombie apocalypse, which would you choose? Which of the over 900 Pokemon and their variants would you choose to survive the undead? To talk about this topic as best as I can, we are going to be discussing a bit of the history of the modern-day zombie, uh, the different types of zombies in fiction, strengths, weaknesses, and what have you, the most likely way a zombie apocalypse could happen in the Pokemon world, and then we'll wrap up with a few of the ones that I think would be the best. Now, again, there are 900 of these suckers. You might have a better idea than me. This is just me going off what I know, and I'll go over a little more of that in detail once we get to it. But first, we have to talk about where zombies in the modern context come from. The reason I say modern context is because zombies have the roots in African culture, specifically Haitian culture and voodoo. That's where most people recognize the term. But there are plenty of cultures around the world that discuss dead people coming back in one way or another. But the word zombie, we typically tie it in terms of cinema to Romero's 1968 film Night of the Living Dead. Although, fun fact, He never actually called them zombies in that movie. He called them ghouls, and his ghouls are what set the stage for every single zombie movie that you've seen since then. Uh, This movie was only about 90 minutes long, but it was really cool in a number of ways. Uh, For starters, it actually casted an African-American lead, and that was something that was, in a time like 1968, pretty tensions in fact a lot of the tension of the 1960s was put into this film in how it was portrayed and how what happens to the main character at the end how it happens Uh, I'm not going to spoil the ending to the movie because I think it is a classic that should be watched and laughed at because it's kind of hokey in today's standards but I think it's really cool that they were able to put that culture in and that's something that happens a lot with zombies we tend to put our own world culture into them as the times go on now, Romero's creatures followed the basic format of what we think of it as a zombie. These were reanimated corpses that fed on the living. Uh, they can be killed with a blow to the head or fire. Can't run, but they tend to move in groups. Uh, the dead rising on on this movie, I'm, I'm sorry, it's pretty, pretty weird. Uh, they blame uh, the dead rising off radiation from like an exploding satellite carpeting the United States. And that's what brings the dead back to life. I can't make this up. That's fantastically stupid. And I love it. Now after Night of the Living Dead. The splatter kind of horror. The zombie horror. Led to dozens of films. Trying to cash in on this undead craze. But it was Dawn of the Dead. That really brought it back. That was Romero's second film. He did it 10 years later. So that way people wouldn't associate him as like the zombie guy. He didn't want to be the horror director. He wanted to be... Romero, the director. Too late, brother. Sorry. His 1978 movie, Dawn of the Dead, stayed true to form again. A lot more gore this time. A lot more effects. And it got remade. That one got remade by Zack Snyder in like 2003, 2004. That's where Zack Snyder got his start. We can blame the entire DC Extended Universe on Dawn of the Dead. Uh, For modern times, zombies changed as people do and as cultures do, we kind of got the ho-hum zombie look, but then we kind of got this new take on it in 28 Days Later, in 2003. That's where we dropped the idea of the dead crawling out of their hole, and we started getting into the infected zombie. Uh, These zombies weren't really dead so much as they were people gone crazy with no perception of anything other than an endless appetite for human flesh. Or in some cases, just animal flesh. Uh, These guys have some of the same weaknesses as classic zombies, although they can be a bit trickier to deal with because they can run and they can scream and alert other zombies to their presence. Some zombie movies actually show that these zombies will communicate with each other. Uh, With the movie I Am Legends, they have have their own little subculture of beefed-up super zombies who hate daylight. And the reason they hate daylight is because I Am Legend is technically a vampire book, but they turned it into a zombie movie. If you get the chance, read I Am Legends. Do not watch the movie because the title makes no sense unless you read the book all the way to the end. The ending of that book is amazing. Now, things like uh, video games and books also took it a bit further. Uh, Resident Evil really took it that step of making it like a virus that specifically causes the zombies to mutate. So not only does it bring the dead, un- quote-unquote, back to life or make these people unstoppable killing machines, it also mutates the hosts into all kinds of weird ways. You can get hulking abominations, super quick ones, super smart ones, uh, ones that can spit acid. These zombies started to mutate in ways that just made them into crazy psycho monsters of whatever you wanted. So I do got to give a shout out to The Last of Us because they did popularize one more kind of zombie, that is the spore-based zombie. So we're just a mushroom or a fungus of some kind mutates in a way that the spores control our brain and cause us to go and spread the spores elsewhere. There are definitely mushrooms that can do that. There's literally one in the game called Parasect. These things are a real thing mushroom but they don't really affect humans so there's just this idea of oh what if the one did and what if it took over our brain truth be told if a mushroom actually did do that have you ever seen what happens to those uh critters that get taken over by mushrooms they don't get aggressive they get looking drunk like they basically just wobble around try and find the highest point they can and then die and the mushroom takes over so truth be told if we were attacked by spore zombies we wouldn't get angry, we'd just get tired and really want a tan. So with the classic and modern day zombies we know and love today kind of spread out pretty quickly, let's talk about Pokemon. What exactly would we be dealing with here in a Pokemon-based zombie apocalypse? So first things first, we need to cross off the ghoul zombie, the undead crawling out of the tomb zombie. Those would not exist in Pokemon, and the reason being is that this is a Japanese game. And in Japan, there are little to no solid corpses to reanimate. The practice of cremation here is super common. One, for religious reasons, and two, for practicality. We are in a cramped country here in Japan. It is uh, over 100,000 people in an area about the same length as the eastern coast of the United States. It is not Easy to find a plot of land to bury a solid dead person, let alone millions of them. So they just set them on fire, cremate them, and uh, respect the ashes. So you wouldn't really get anything rising from the grave because there's no grave. In this case, we are going to have to go with the science zombie. We're going to have to go with one of the evil teams... I'm going to say Team Plasma because I hate them the most because they're based on PETA. Let's say Team Plasma tries to make a human killing virus. Let's say there's one really crazy one of those guys like, you know what? We got to free all the Pokemon, man. We got to free them all by killing all the humans, man. And when they do that, instead of killing everybody, they release a virus that makes zombies instead, and one of them gets loose. Now, the idea of turning a living organism crazy psycho rage monster going full beast mode, not entirely out of the realm of possibility in Pokemon. In Gen 2, Team Rocket did that with radio waves to that poor Gyarados out in that lake. That red Gyarados was effectively a rage monster. It was so angry, it was trying to kill anything that went near it, and then someone happened to catch it and calm it down. So there's not too much that tells me I can't make a rage monster. Uh, the zombies, when they get loose, they would, you know, do zombies, you start attacking everyone, But due to the lack of roads in and out of most cities, combined with the tall grass being filled with monsters that can do far worse than just eat you, most of the human populations would either have to be bulking up their defenses, making sure nothing gets into the town, or if it's already in the town, you're kind of too late, you're kind of boxed in, and you might not make it. Now, it is important to mention that I don't think Pokemon would be affected. I don't think you'd have to run from an army of zombie bee drills. I think what would happen is something similar to a lot of zombie movies, where the animals are mostly unaffected because it's meant to target a specific species or something closely related to it. But that doesn't mean they'd be actually helping you. It just means that they wouldn't be trying to kill you as badly. They would just be like, oh, look, those humans are chasing each other. Look at that. Keep in mind, if some of these Pokemon decided to go on an all-out killing spree of everything near them, Certain Pokemon would just end the world, not even the legendaries. Once again, I bring up the fact that Gardevoir can open black holes. One angry enough Gardevoir can suck up an entire region and just kill us all. So I'm just going to make it so that zombies are only going to be human zombies, but the Pokemon won't help you. So to start thinking about our one and only Pokemon we can have with us for this journey, we are going to have to think about this from a, a bit of a different angle. So if you've ever heard of it, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is going to be what we need to start deciding this. So if you don't know what the hierarchy of needs is, it's the list of needs everyone needs to reach self-actualization. It's built like a pyramid, and it has its strongest base, and then all the way up it gets a little bit smaller, smaller, smaller. Uh, The things at the bottom are the most important, and then things at the top are the the final goal of self-actualization. So the order goes physiological needs then safety, then love and belonging, then esteem, and then finally self-actualization. In this case, whatever Pokemon we get has to be able to produce at least those first two for us. We need to be physiologically safe and fed and cared for as well as safe. They also have to be able to be cared for pretty easily because if that one Pokeball breaks, he's still or she's still with you. But you're going to have to walk around with them, and it might be hard to transport some of these. Now keep in mind, with all the Pokemon you bring, you want to be able to move quickly with them, but you also want to be able to have them take a hit. The Pokemon centers are down. You are going to have to let this thing heal naturally. So you have to be able to have a Pokemon that can take a few hits from the zombies. They're not going to turn into zombies if they get bit, but enough zombies can kill Just about any animal on Earth, I'm sure enough of them can do some pretty good damage to a Pokemon if you're getting an endless army of them charging at you. Even the toughest Pokemon can be killed by just pure numbers. Uh, Be careful when you pick your Pokemon as well because you gotta care for its specific needs. It's not just food. If you remember our starter showdowns I did, uh, these Pokemon are gonna need specific environments, specific enrichment. You wanna get something that is going to have to contend with all those needs fairly easily so when i went through all of that i decided to pick eh, about four pokemon that i think would be really really useful for different reasons so let's start with my number one pick because he's one of my favorite pokemon of all time he was on our old logo golurk is my number one pick For going to the zombie apocalypse. Now, when I brought this question up on Twitter and Facebook, we did have someone who mentioned Golurk. That person is very smart. Thank you. We also had people mentioning legendaries. Like, haha, I can use Dialga. Go back in time and stop the zombie apocalypse. Well done. Very selfless of you. But no legends. That's not fun. Anyway. With Golurk, the reason I picked him is because he's not just a ground type, but also a ghost type. He is solid, which means he can carry me around, but he can also dip into the shadows and fly away if he needs to. The number one reason I really picked him was the fact that he could fly, but the other reason was that he is a solid stone monster man. He is nine feet tall and can easily crush just about anything coming near him. Do I need to feed him? Nope. His core has something of an infinite energy supply. I don't need to worry about feeding him. I don't need to worry about bathing him. All I gotta do, hop on his back and fly to different areas looking for survivors or good food to eat, a place to land, just looking for a safe place to go. Golurk is the perfect Pokemon for someone like me who would try and go the Nomad style. the Someone who'd just be going place to place, picking up scraps and helping people where I can, and you know, keep going, but... The downside to a Golurk, one I fully recognize, is that this thing is loud. This thing doesn't fly by, like, hovering silently. This thing flies by firing rockets. Everything knows you're coming. Raiders, zombies, Pokemon who are territorial, everything knows that a Golurk is coming. You have to be able to contend with that. Now, if you're looking to say, well, I don't want to run. I want to start a village. I want to start rebuilding a society little by little. Well, there are a few Pokemon you can do with that. The one uh, Chris and me were talking about when we were discussing doing this episode was Conkeldurr. Conkeldurr gets a lot of, uh, you know, bad rap for being kind of a hideous monstrosity. But I love seeing him just flex his... Ridiculously gross arms in the anime, it's fantastic, but the thing that makes Conkelder so useful is that he makes his own concrete He can literally help build walls around your entire Village around your entire area to keep you and whatever survivors you got with you safe Machamp, don't get me wrong strong Ridiculously terrifying, but his only skill is punching and breaking things Conkelder can punch and break things too, but he can also build a wall, and his cement is ridiculously powerful. However, the downside to having a concrete guy and building walls is that occasionally, walls can fail. If you've ever watched the movie World War Z, doesn't have a lot of redeeming factors, but what it does show is that the zombies, if they pile up on each other, can climb just about anything. If you're looking for a bit more of a sustainable lifestyle, if you're looking for the Pokemon to just help you get through the zombie apocalypse through peace and through calm, uh, I would definitely recommend multiple grass starters. Torterra, Septile, Meganium, and Venusaur all kind of function the same way when it comes to this sort of stuff. Torterra, Septile, Meganium, and Venusaur all have the ability to manipulate plant life and this can be used in a ton of different ways. Want to build a near endless gauntlet of sharp trees and branches to deal with anyone trying to come in? No problem. You want to start growing your own food on your Pokemon's back or near them? No problem. In the case of Sceptile, if you can grow enough trees, Sceptile is the jungle king. This thing can jump through the trees like lightning. Granted, you're stuck because if you go anywhere away from the trees, then you're kind of just game over. But if you're able to find a really dense forested area, able to clear it of zombies and Pokemon who, would, you know, want to keep that territory for themselves, it's a pretty sweet deal. The downside, of course, for this one being that it's going to get tired. It's going to get overwhelmed. It might consume a lot of energy just trying to maintain those plants. And if you get caught by surprise, it's game over. The zombies come in, they the hordes roll in and get you. Now, I said that my number one pick was Golurk. But there is one more pick, the only Pokemon out of all 900 that I think works the best under all the categories I mentioned, and that one is Metagross. Now Metagross I picked for a number of reasons. He is the most OP of all the Pokemon I selected because of his typing. He is Steel and he is Psychic. Now don't get me wrong. Steel types, in general, pretty OP in a zombie apocalypse. You bite them, dink, nothing happens. You try and scratch them, dink, nothing happens. But over time, they will still get worn out and tired, too. If you have a solid rock or a solid stone Pokemon, eventually they will chip. Eventually they will break. But Metagross has that psychic power which means that it can toss around zombies like a beanbag. If its brains get tired, its muscles can do the work. If its muscles get tired, its brain does the heavy lifting. Keep in mind, this thing has four brains, so it's not only capable of throwing things around with its arms, but it's also capable of flipping trucks and throwing them at people. It can make its own barricades if it needs to, from debris left around from, you know, before the apocalypse. It's a fantastic Pokémon to put in as well, because if you've watched any of the animated movies, You see that it knows how to fly a a little bit. It can kind of hover off the ground with electromagnetism. Really useful for travel and transportation because unlike Golurk, it's not rockets. It's not literally jet fuel burning. This thing is capable of hovering over the ground quietly, silently. So you're not moving like... A 1,000 miles an hour, but you're able to traverse a lot more area really, really discreetly, which is what you want in a zombie apocalypse. If you make too much noise, one zombie turns into a 1,000 real fast. And remember the whole four brains thing? Well, that means it doesn't need to sleep. If it works like a dolphin, this thing can use its multiple brains to try and rest up like half of them, and the others can stay alert. So if you're going to try and survive the zombie apocalypse, You want to either build a shelter, if you want to go out and save people, if you want to become a maniacal war god bandit killing anyone in your path to collect their resources. Metagross fits all the tabs you need and again it's a steel monster it barely needs to eat anything and i'm sure it's not really that picky nothing in the pokedex mentions it having a diet i don't even know why it has a mouth to be honest with you but i honestly have to say if you're gonna pick a pokemon to survive the zombie apocalypse there's plenty of them to choose from zombies are pretty scary but pokemon are even scarier If you choose almost any one of your favorite Pokemons, if you're picking a Raichu, you can fry their brains. If you pick a Scizor, you can slice them to ribbons while then getting away with a quick attack. If you pick an Absol, it can alert you for anything dangerous coming your way. If you pick a Waylord, you can literally just start your own personal party boat. If you pick a Blastroid, you can go from town to town in the harbor just blasting away at any zombie off the shore. There's so many options to go with when it comes to surviving the Pokemon zombie apocalypse, and that's what makes the question fun. Unlike the billion lions thing where everyone tries to be a scientist for like five minutes, for this one it's just, oh, Pokemon are so horribly dangerous, just about any Pokemon I pick can help me survive. I think that's a really fun question to pick because remember, no matter how ugly you think a Pokemon is, every single Pokemon has someone who loves it. Someone thinks that Weedle is the number one Pokemon. I don't know who you are, Weedle lover, but you got issues. But I respect you, and I respect your way of thinking. But on that note, I do want to thank you guys for getting to listen to this and this rather spooky episode. If you guys have an idea of a Pokemon that can survive the zombie apocalypse, we're always on Twitter. We're always on Facebook. I love hearing the ideas you come up with. Just remember, no legends. Let's have some fun. Oh, and no Gardevoir either. That black hole thing really just bothers me. I bring it up multiple episodes. The fact that it can make black holes just makes it too dangerous to live it's too dangerous to be a pokemon i don't like it on the list but anyway if you guys have any other comments anything you want to talk about anything you want us to bring up on our episodes leave a review leave a message we are always listening on that note i want you guys to have a wonderful and safe halloween i want you guys to enjoy it with your friends and loved ones please 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 stay safe i will see you guys in the next episode peace